thank you so much for being here on this Christmas Eve. Thank you for taking a little bit of your time uh, away, perhaps from family and friends, to share it with your church family. And I'm so glad that you are here and that we can sing and we can smile, we can open the scriptures, and uh, I want to do that for just a little bit longer. Uh, and I won't keep you too long, I promise. Uh, I'm, I'm a preacher, though, so whenever I get up to preach, I just want to go. So we'll just we'll see what happens. Um, <laughs> but there, perhaps there's uh, things that pop up during the holiday season, so to speak, that make you feel as though the holidays are here. Uh, and what I mean by that is I, I know that Christmas is around whenever I hear Paul McCartney's wonderful Christmas time on the radio, uh, probably because that's my least favorite Christmas song of all time. And so I know when it's Christmas time because it plays on the radio incessantly and then it gets stuck in my head and I don't like it. Um, so I have to replace it with something else. Uh, but maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's uh, another Christmas crooner or maybe it's uh, some, uh, a smell. Maybe it's, it's uh, a, a nice glass of eggnog or, or what have you. There's something uh, that perhaps signals to you that Christmas is here. Uh, for me, another thing that always pops up around this time, this time of year, is, is seeing everywhere on perhaps social media or around friends or whatnot, that, that phrase that always pops up, remember the reason for the season. I even mentioned at the beginning of this service, remember the reason for the season. It's a phrase you hear a lot. It's, you hear it so much that it might even be a little bit cliche. Something that you sort of take for granted, that you don't even pause to really consider what it means when someone says, remember the reason for the season, because you've heard it so often. And I think that's because it's a true cliche. And true cliches are among the things that we are very quick and very apt to forget. The reason for Christmas, and I don't mean to sound like a, a curmudgeon or, or anything like that, but the reason for Christmas does often get sort of muddied and clouded by all the commercialized necessities and obligations uh, that we have going on around this time of year. Things that are good, things that are well, that, uh, well to do, things that we are right to enjoy, but oftentimes... Just hearing the phrase, remember the reason for the season, can lead us to ask, what is this world coming to? Because we see how often this reason is forgotten, so to speak. What's become of society? What's become of this, this country? How can they forget what this season is supposed to be about? Well, the truth is, the reason for the season and that phrase itself is not meant for those who are not in the church. Actually, that phrase is meant for us. Remembering the reason for the season is a reminder to us who are in the church to, yes, remember the reason. Because it's, it's not society's job to get Christmas right, so to speak. It's the church's job. It's our job. It's our job to make sure the reason for Christmastide, for all of the weeks of Advent, to be properly remembered. Red cups or not. <laughs> It's the job of the church to make sure that the heartbeat of Christmas is kept where it ought to be. You see, Christmas is not merely a season in which Hallmark stock goes bonkers with holiday-themed cards and movies. It's a season for us, the church, the people of God, to be reminded. Reminded that we, we have been saved through an uncanny act of divine economics. In which we have at Jesus' first appearing. The first advent. Which then informs and inspires our hope for the second advent. 
Jesus' second appearing. You see, what I mean by Christmas economics, well, you see, the economics of Christmas, as currently understood perhaps by the culture, celebrates our fondness for strength and success and self-sufficiency. Because as long as you're good, as long as you're good enough, we are told, you'll get rewarded. Just be nice, you get toys and not coal. As long as you are good for goodness sake, you will make, have lots of presents under the tree on Christmas morning. The bar is set really high. We tell ourselves that we can be good enough on our own. We have very high views of ourselves that we can be good enough and not just good enough. We can stay on that nice list through our own efforts, through our own strength, through our own abilities, which essentially makes us our own saviors. But perhaps what Christmas is all about is reminding us that we've set the bar a little too high. In fact, there was a movie that was released several years ago. A movie that has nothing to do with Christmas. But during the prologue to this movie, the director gives this quote, which I cannot escape every single time I think about Christmas. He's reminiscing on a memory of he and his brother, and he says this. When I was a kid, my brother and I used to pretend we were heroes with swords. We were the only ones who could save the day. But perhaps we set the bar a little high. Maybe we were just regular people, the ones who get saved. Whenever I think about Christmas, that's what I think about. It reminds us that we are, we're just regular people who can't always stay on the nice list. The ones who, yes, need to get saved. Ones who need to get rescued out of their own distress. It's a season, this season, Christmas. It reminds us that we are so far from being able to save ourselves that God himself had to come down to save us from ourselves. Something we could never do in our own power, in our own strength, of our own accord. You see, we are not the saviors. We're the ones who get saved. This is what Christmas is all about. It's the divine announcement that a way better savior than Santa Claus has come to town. And not just come to town. He has come to where we are. And he doesn't just tell us what goodness is and what, and what goodness looks like. No, even more remarkable than that. Even more miraculous than that. This savior, the savior of the world, he embodies goodness for us. He's good for goodness sake on your behalf and mine. And the Savior's name, as we already heard already, out of Matthew chapter 1, his name is Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins, the scripture says. This, this I think is what treasuring the holiday season is all about. Remembering the reason for the season, I think, means consciously meditating and thinking about the depths to which God himself descended in order to rescue sinners like you and me. Think about it. God became man. Heaven came down to earth. This is the glorious news of the gospel as we heard from Luke chapter 2 verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Why? Because God had come down. This is the good news of the gospel. And it's found in a newborn who is cooing and perhaps crying in a ragged Bethlehem stall. 
one of the early church fathers, St. Cyril, he says that the entire ministry of the economy of our salvation consists in the self-emptying and abasement of the Son of God. And such is what we celebrate during this Christmas time. The mystery of all mysteries. The miracle of all miracles. That God himself descended to our low estate. You see, by saying that God became incarnate in the form of a man, and more specifically in the form of a baby, we are making a really bold statement. One which carries, I think, a load of ramifications that I don't often think we think about, or at least not consciously. For example, have you ever thought about the fact that it's not just that God came to earth as a baby, he came to earth as an unborn baby. He came to earth as an embryo, so to speak. You see, every nativity account, if you read Matthew chapter 1, and you go on and read Luke chapter 1, and even into Luke chapter 2, the famous Christmas story of Jesus' nativity, it uses language that I think should make our hair stand on end. We are told that Mary is with child. She is pregnant. With a son, as the angels confirm, and not just any son, as it says in Luke chapter 1 verse 32, the son of the highest. Or as we already heard from Matthew 123, she is pregnant with Emmanuel. Emmanuel. A striking title of our God, which as we know means God with us. God with us. This is Christmas. We have a God who is with us. And not just with us as a God. He is with us as a human being. As one who is like us in every way. As it says in Hebrews chapter 4. Yet without sin. And by every way we have to consciously think about that. Every way. He comes to earth as an unborn baby. The Lord came to earth as an embryo. And he spent 40 odd weeks in the womb of his mother growing and developing before being birthed into this world. And if you've ever given birth, those of you who have, or been present for that scene, you all know what that entails. And such is what the Lord Jesus endured for your sake and for mine. He came Into this world as an unborn baby. After which he was born he learned how to crawl. And he grew. And he grew and became a toddler. And learned how to talk. And learned how to walk. And was developing and endured all the changes that puberty brings. And as it says in Luke chapter 2 verse 52. Increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. This is what Jesus did for you and I. He came to this world. Those things might seem like tedious details perhaps to go through. To think about Jesus coming to earth in embryonic form. But I think it's precisely the details of God living in the flesh. That give concrete hope that he also died in the flesh. Because that's what our hope is. That we have one who is like us. Who is powerful enough, who is strong enough, who is capable enough to shoulder all of our sins. Who is like us, yes, in every way, yet without sin. Who took on all that we are and died for all that we are. And this is Jesus, 
our fully divine yet fully human God. And that's what we mean when we say that we believe in a God who is with us. When we say, remember the reason for the season. Remember that you have that type of God. A God who comes down. Who comes down as a man. A God who comes down unafraid of our sin. Unafraid of our filth. Unafraid of our misery. Unafraid of our ruin. And he steps into it. To snatch us out of it. We have a God who knows Deeply and intimately what it feels like to have his heart shattered. To have tears run down his face as his life is crumbling. To have friends and family hate him. To have blood gush from open wounds. You have a God who knows what that's like. Which is to say, you have a God who knows what it's like to be human. Have you ever thought about that? All the the human emotions and human circumstances that you or I endure on a daily basis. Your Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world, knows what that's like. He's been touched in every single way with every single point of suffering you and I could ever endure in this life. It's not foreign to him what you're going through. Christmas time, as we've mentioned and perhaps you're likely familiar with, brings to the surface many things we wish would go away. Old regrets, old bitternesses wreaking havoc again on our joy. Brings up old memories that we wish would not come up and haunt us. It reminds us of people that aren't around us anymore. Reminds us of things said. That perhaps bring up more bad memories. Jesus is the Savior who has felt all of that. As it says there in Hebrews chapter 4. We don't have a high priest. Which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are. Yet without sin. You have a God who knows what it's like to be human. And he died. As a fully human and fully God. That's the type of savior that we are celebrating. That's the type of savior that we are called to remember. When we say remember the reason for the season. It's much deeper than just keeping Christ in Christmas. It's remembering the lengths to which God dove. To rescue you and me. The lengths which it tells us in John chapter 1 verse 14. That the word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. He came to where we are. And he didn't just dwell among us. He died for us. The creator became a creature. In order to die and restore his creation. And he did that for you. And he did that for me. And he did that for the whole world. As it says in the epistles of Paul. That he was the ransom for many. This is our savior. This is our Christ. Born to die upon Calvary as the hymn says. That embryo. That grew in Mary's womb. He came to die. 
There was a day that was already pre-prepared for that little embryo growing and developing in which he would ascend a cross unfairly, unjustly. And yet, he did that for you and for me. When we say remember the reason for the season, let's remember this Christ, this God who was born in the flesh to die. Let us bow our heads in a word of prayer.